Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The birth of your baby is the beginning of your journey as a mother, an event that remains one of the most significant in your life. With each and every woman's birth story, there are surprises, moments that perplex a mother as she reflects back. Sometimes unexpected events of the birth can leave trauma, a feeling of helplessness or shame that lingers. How can a mother learn to process these difficult moments? How can she learn to embrace these moments as acts of courage and strength rather than weakness? I'm Shelley Rahim, and I'm here to talk to you about the importance of birth story healing and birth story listening. This is Newbies. He's gorgeous. Um, it's a girl. Surprise! The whole family's here. So when are you having the next one? It's just poop. Ready for another? Wow, you look really tired. Ready to go back to work? Yellow poop? Seriously? Did you sterilize this? Sex? Now? You've got to be joking. You should sleep when the baby sleeps. She doesn't look anything like you. I thought you already had your baby. I did. Babies don't come with instructions, so there's newbies, helping new moms and new babies through the first year. Welcome to Newbies, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Newbies is your online, on-the-go support group guiding new mothers through their baby's first year. I'm your host, Kristen Stratton. I'm also a certified birth doula, postpartum doula, and owner of In-Due Season Doula Services. If you haven't already, be sure to visit our website at newmommymedia.com and subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also subscribe to our show through iTunes, so you'll automatically get new episodes when they're released. We also just released the Newbies app, available on iOS, Android, and Google Play, so you can listen to our shows wherever you go. Sunny's here to tell us about other ways you can participate in our new show. All right. Hi, everybody. So we love hearing from our listeners. So if you guys want to send us any ideas for the show or want to comment on any of the episodes, you can do that. We'd love to get mail, also known as email, um, from you guys. And then we'll read some of those comments on the show. And we have a couple other segments I want to tell you about. So um, we have a new one called Five Minute Birth Stories. So we know new mamas out there love to share their birth stories. And if it's something that you want to share with the world, we would love to hear about that. Um, and so other moms can listen and benefit from that as well. Um, as you can imagine, we have limited time to do that. So if it's something that you can do in five minutes, um, you can submit that via our website or through our voicemail, which I'm going to tell you about in just a second. And another one is called uh, Baby Oops. So as new moms, we go through and sometimes we do stuff that's kind of funny <laughs> or um, as we're taking care of our new babies, sometimes daddy does it or mommy does it. But if you have a funny story regarding your baby that you want to share with our audience, um, you can submit for that as well. So again, go to the website, newmommymedia.com. And there's a contact link. So if you just want to email us, you can do that there. And I was telling you about our voicemail. So no one's going to pick up the phone. It'll go straight to voicemail. That number is 619-866-4775 if you actually want to share your story yourself with your own voice. And um, yeah, those are a couple different ways you can get involved. All right. Let's introduce our panelists. My name is Sarah White. I'm 28 years old and I have two children a son who's three and a half and a little girl who just turned one. I'm also a stay-at-home mom and a military wife. 
My name is Allison Koenig. I am 25 years old. I am a birth doula currently on maternity leave. Uh, I have a two-year-old son at home and a another baby boy due in January. My name is Cara Furio. I'm 57 years old. I'm a postpartum doula and a certified lactation counselor. I have two daughters, one 32 and another one 23. And I have three grandchildren by my older daughter. I have Atlas, who's eight, Vera, who is six, and Clara, who's 20 months. Welcome to the show. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, so before we begin our show today, we have a news headline that I'm sure a lot of people are going to have some thoughts on. So here's the headline. China abandons one-child policy. So if you guys didn't know, China was putting a limit on families and basically said you can only have one baby. Um, This is a 35-year-old policy and obviously very controversial. Us here in the United States, um, I'm sure most people think it's kind of crazy considering, I don't know, I've got four kids. Kristen, you've got three. (laughs) I don't know how I could have stopped at just one. But now they're talking about raising this ban. So just to give you an idea, so China has uh, 1.37 billion people in China. So it is the biggest country in the world, um, which is why they wanted to put some restrictions on it so they could try to, quote unquote, take care of their people. And so they aren't saying when they're actually going to lift this ban. This is very ambiguous of them. But the reason they're doing it simply is it's part of their economic and social plan for the next five years. And basically, they were strategizing and saying, hey, we have far too many older people and not enough younger people to take care of our older people. I'm not sure why they're just now figuring this out. But anyways, I wanted to kind of get your guys's input. You know, they haven't really laid out how they're going to unveil this. And it, it, they don't want everyone to take advantage of it at once. They don't want this huge surge because, as you can imagine, that could cause other problems. So in my head, I'm thinking, okay, who do you tell? Okay, you can have a second child like now. A but potluck, you know, know right? last names A through W. You may procreate <laughs> other babies. You may wait. Yeah. So what do you guys think about this? Oh my goodness, there's so many, so many things that I could say about this. I mean, on the on the lighter side of things, I'm thinking, yay, congrats to everyone who's going to be allowed to expand on their family. But I mean, this has been around since I think it was the late 70s. This was implemented, so I mean, there are a lot of really heavy things that were associated with this, including, you know, abortions, forced sterilizations, yeah. uh, abandoned babies. This is not a small problem that they created. It's not going to be a small, easy cleanup either. And that, that's an entire generation mm-hmm. that was not produced. So of course, they're going to have a larger um, elderly population without a younger population to sustain and care for them. So um, I don't think there's an easy fix for this one. And again, I think this is going to be causing a lot of pain to the people that had to um, either go without having children or had to undergo medical procedures that they didn't necessarily consent to or who had to do some pretty terrible things to not get in trouble. Um, So yeah, sorry. Sorry to be the downer. Uh, But it's a pretty it's a pretty heavy topic. They they say that today's problems are yesterday's solutions. So 
They came up with this idea in the 70s, and now they're saying, well, that didn't work out. Now we have these all new problems, mm-hmm. so now they're going to change it. And like you said, they're going to have new problems. Um, the first thing I thought, though, was what this will do for dating. All of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. there's going to be men and women coming of age and, and um, yeah. more options because um, marriage is, has suffered a lot um, in China over the years because there's more men than women and there's so many people and people aren't getting married. They're just trying to get a house and yeah. there's no place to live. And so um, it, it's going to change a lot in their country. By the way, 1980 is when they implemented this one. Oh, okay. Policy. I was thinking 79. No, okay, 1980. Okay. Got close. it. You're close. I'm close. Yeah, I'm close. Right. Okay. <laughs> I'm actually very excited for the lifting of the policy. I've known many people from China. Yeah. In fact, I've had several uh, families that I've worked with that are from China. Mm-hmm. And I think the people there will be very, very happy. And one of my thoughts is that this will probably be offered to the educated populace first mm-hmm. because they're probably trying to raise the education level. And who knows, maybe they're running out of farm workers, too, as more people have flocked into the cities to work at the factories. Uh, I've known people, though, that did have two children in China. And the way they did it is they paid off officials. Uh, If you had money, you could have two kids. Right. Yeah. Um, Other people had their children and sent them to the United States to relatives. Mm. So there were ways people were getting around it, but you typically had to be somebody of wealth to get around the issue. So I think it's phenomenal that they're lifting it. And and now that they're trying to become more modernized, too, they realize they have to come out of the dark ages. Mm -hmm. And in order for other countries in the world to want to deal with them, they have to lift the oppression on the people. Right. Hope for the future. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks for sharing, everyone. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Today on Newbies, we're discussing birth trauma and what can we do to begin our journey to healing from it. Our expert, Shelly Brahim, is a doula, birthing from within mentor, and birth story listener. Thank you so much for joining us, Shelly, and welcome to the show. And thank you for having me. Shelly, what is trauma and how are women experiencing trauma during childbirth? Well, uh, there's physical trauma and there's emotional trauma. And uh, the type of trauma that, you know, I've been trained to address is the emotional trauma. So I basically took the definition from Pam England. Pam England is the author of Birthing from Within. She uh, trains um, childbirth educators and also she trains us to help women to heal from birth trauma. And what she says is anyone who gives birth or witnesses a birth, this could be the birthing mother, the father, or a birth attendant, can experience emotional birth trauma. They may feel deep sadness, regret, anger, shame, grief, blame, numbness, or disappointment about events that happened surrounding the birth. And while some people avoid thinking about certain parts of the birth, others mentally replay moments over and over again, wondering what should have been done differently. They may try to sort it out on their own or just brush it off. And while Talking about it and swapping stories or venting 
with similarly wounded moms may provide temporary relief, these approaches do not bring lasting resolution or healing. And can women experience trauma only if she has had a very medicalized birth, or can home birth and low intervention birth moms also experience the same degree of trauma? Well, it's really not about the outcome of the birth. It's not about whether you have a natural birth, an unmedicated birth, or a cesarean birth. What really makes a birth have those elements of trauma or those lingering moments of disappointment are really the story that the mom is telling herself about herself because of those moments are happening. So, uh, for example, a woman who really wanted an unmedicated birth, but because of unforeseen circumstances, decides to get the epidural, could look back on her birth and feel like that was the traumatic moment that she considers herself weak for. Whereas a woman who really went into her birth experience not wanting to experience a whole lot of pain, or maybe she was in a lot of pain and she was actually suffering. She was really, really suffering in that pain. And she gets that epidural And then she's able to embrace the experience and really release and rest and enjoy the rest. Then that epidural for her is, that's her most blissful moment. That's her moment of joy, you know, that she's so proud that she made that decision so she could enjoy her birth. So it's so individual for each woman. And I was just reading something else that I read from Pam England and she said for women who have cesareans, a lot of times repeat cesareans. You know, if they had a cesarean before and they're really hoping to avoid that again, oftentimes the trauma that that a woman experiences is it's already happening even before the birth. Because what it is, is, so Pam England says, really, a woman was traumatized before the cesarean because she had a set of beliefs about who she would be if she had that cesarean. So... She was really trying to avoid that. It happens again. She already set herself up hoping to avoid that again. Does that make sense? Yeah. So why is birth trauma such a well-kept secret in our society? Because a lot of mothers, they themselves don't really know. So women in general, our people in general, in the public care providers, even doctors, we go to our doctor, our midwife, postpartum. It's really um, hard for people to sit and just witness someone's pain, to listen to their pain, to listen to their story. We want to fix it. We want to make them feel better. We we aren't comfortable just listening to people in their pain. And we don't know how to listen. Okay, so we, we really aren't trained on how to listen. We haven't learned from our elders a lot of times. Our parents and our grandparents, maybe they aren't the greatest listeners. They weren't really learned. They didn't learn how to listen. So how to listen and how to validate is something we're lacking in our society. So in order to not go there, you know, we will uh, instead, you know, try to offer quick advice, you know, such as, well, at least you have a healthy baby. Mm. And we're not intended to met with well-meaning. Their, their intention is, you know, what really good. But what it does is it kind of undermines the woman and she's like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, how selfish of me to think about my emotional state. At least I have a healthy baby. So it's hard. So the reason why it's kind of swept under the rug, I think, is a systemic problem. We don't know how to really sit with our own pain. When we have wounds, we don't like it. It doesn't feel good. We don't know how to heal ourselves. So then how are we going to sit with somebody else who's wounded and offer them medicine? We can't because we haven't found it for ourselves yet. And I feel like that comes from uh, a lot of times 
our, our we, don't, we don't have good mentors or elders in our life to show us how to heal. So how does this affect our ability to mother our children? Well, so what I mentioned before is how you give birth if you have a lot of expectations on yourself before giving birth and you come out of that experience not meeting all of your expectations or others have not met them right around you, then you can oftentimes come away with some guilt and shame. And if a woman has guilt and shame about her birth experience, um, that can naturally flow over into how she, this is her entrance into motherhood, so how she parents and how she mothers, or she might overcompensate feeling that, you know, she didn't offer her baby the right entrance in the world and I have to make that up somehow, you know, so it can really affect how we parent and how we mother. And our to our panelists, when did you realize that you had experienced some trauma during your births? Did you know right away or did someone else see a change in you? I knew immediately that something wasn't right. I was planning on, you know, natural, unmedicated birth, you know, took the childbirth education classes, was ready to go. And then the moment that anesthesiologist walked into the room and told the nurse, instead of telling me that I needed a cesarean, that was when I knew. I knew something was going to be wrong from that point on. And and to touch on, you know, what Shelley had mentioned earlier about mothering, I do feel like that carried over postpartum as well. And, and I knew when I got home from the hospital that this isn't how it was supposed to be. I knew it was going to be hard. I knew it was going to be rough, lack of sleep, but I didn't expect it to be as hard as it was. And I feel like that really stemmed from feeling like I had failed myself. I had failed my husband. I had failed my unborn child by forcing him into the world earlier than he was ready. For me, it was really several months later when the other people who were in attendance of my first child's birth, my parents and my birth coach and my husband, um, when we were kind of swapping stories about that night, a lot of them said, well, there's probably things that happened that we won't tell you about because it would be too traumatic. And I thought, well, I I was there. I, I know what happened. And I, yeah, I wanted a natural birth. And we ended up using forceps and a vacuum, and that's not what I wanted. But I had told myself, well, I have a healthy baby, so it's okay. And everything's fine, and here we are, and we're all happy. But, you know, other people seem to think that it was a really traumatic experience. And two years later, preparing for the birth of my second child was when I really became aware of the trauma that I was still experiencing and had not at all dealt with when I was preparing for the birth of my second child and um, thinking about how the first one went and just telling myself over and over again, it was wrong, it was wrong, everything went wrong, nothing went how it was supposed to go, I didn't do anything right, I didn't stand up for myself, I did everything wrong, and then preparing for this next baby, it wasn't going to go that way, and I was going to do things right this time, and then this tremendous guilt that, oh, sure, this baby's going to have a great birth experience, and I'm going to want to remember it and treasure it like mothers are supposed to. But my son's birth, I'm not going to want to talk about. It. I'm not going to want to think about. It. I don't I don't want to bring that up again. And I felt guilty that that's how I remembered my son's birth. But I was going to have a better birth this time. And and, and that was when I really said, boy, I must have experienced some trauma that needs to be dealt with before this baby comes along. So it's it's really amazing how the trauma is stored in our body in a really self-preservation type way. And Pam England talks on her blog about the nine birth story gates. And it's basically, we go in through these different phases in order to just cope with the, the stress of being a new mom with the baby and figuring it all out. If we have moments in a, of our birth that were just too much to handle, it kind of just goes dormant for a while. And so that we can 
stay focused on what we need, the task at hand, which is caring for our baby and healing. And so that's one of the natural phases of, of understanding the emotional aspect of our birth experience. And then a lot of times, it, but it will resurface, like just like what you said, when the body's starting to approach that, again, it's like it's stored in the cells in the body and it starts to come up again. And then you... And that's when we need birth story listeners. That's when you need somebody to go, why am I thinking all these things about myself and having all these feelings and blaming myself and feeling so much guilt? And that's your own healer in you seeking, like, I need to figure this out before this next birth. And that's what I was saying is we need birth people who can listen and help women shift when they are at that juncture where they're ready for deeper understanding. So what is the common connection uh, among cesarean and vaginal birth mothers? What connects them in regards to their difficult birth stories? Um, well, the common connection between any kind of birth, whether it's a home birth and it's unmedicated, you know, unmedicated hospital, a medicated hospital birth or a cesarean birth, is the what the mother tells herself about herself after she comes out of this experience. It's the self-belief. So she could either come away and say, I am weak. I failed, like Allison said. I failed myself. I failed my baby. Or she can come away and go, wow, I really am strong. I am amazing under all the circumstances that I went through. I'm a birth warrior. When we come back, we will continue our discussion about healing from birth trauma. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the show. We're talking with Shelly Rahim about healing from birth trauma. How can women find safe and supportive places to share their stories or maybe someone just to listen and willing to share theirs so they don't feel alone? So this is a really big question and I have a kind of a two-part answer. The very first tool that I would love for women to have going into the birth experience is this understanding that they are their own best healer but they need a good support person who can help guide them back into their own inner healer. So one of the most important aspects of giving birth and getting through that whole ordeal is being able to integrate and process that birth afterwards. But like I said, we don't have our elders, we don't have the shaman women in the tribe anymore that like know how to walk with the women through that experience and help her to find the medicine inside of herself. So first of all, if she understands that when she gives birth, there's going to be surprises. There's going to be unexpected moments. And Allison said that she knew it was going to be difficult and challenging, but for real. And when you come out of this, it is absolutely imperative for you to journal, to process, to write this out and get it out on paper. Maybe when your baby's taking a nap, just steal away for an hour and write. And when you write, you need to have questions that are going to guide you into the medicine, into the soul lessons. Because what a lot of times when women will write out their birth story to be like, well, first the water broke and then this happened and then that happened. And that's okay. That's good to document the like the linear details of the events of the birth. And that's usually the safest place to start. 
then you go deeper. Then it's like the emotional stuff comes out. And that's where it needs to be just, you know, really stream of conscience writing. But then go back to this list of questions. Again, these questions such as these questions I took all from birthing from within type of training questions such as, you know, what did you do that was amazing? Or how did you get through that most difficult moment? What was your favorite moment of the whole birth experience? How has giving birth and becoming a mother changed you? So these really deep thought-provoking questions will guide a woman into her own healing. And then the second part of the best way to help a woman heal after her birth, whether it's even, it's not just women who have really difficult births, but women who even had a really good birth, there's soul lessons in there that it's just, they need to be extracted so that we can become the wise mothers for our children. And so finding somebody who knows how to listen. So the way I've been trained with Birthing From Within is like a one-hour session that you do that helps, we help you go to that place within you. There are people in our community who do that. The other thing that is good to do is, you know, if a woman has a lot of like post-traumatic stress syndrome, like she's really got a lot of stuff. You can go to Postpartum Health Alliance in San Diego and they have actual, you know, therapists too. Also... There are, um, for women who've had cesareans, the ICANN, uh, International Cesarean Awareness Network, is a, is a good support group. And then there's also resources such as um, Pam England has a blog where she talks about those nine birth story gates. So you understand what you're going through a little bit deep, more deeply. And then the, the other thing is there's a book called The Labyrinth of Birth by Pam England where she has a process to help women integrate their birth story in that book. And panelists, when did you feel you were first able to feel safe enough to share your story? For me, it wasn't whether or not I felt safe, but it was how I was processing my birth story. I did write down my birth story after it happened, but like Shelly said, it was very linear, like this happened and then this happened and this happened. So I felt like I understood my birth story to a certain extent in chronologically how it happened. I didn't really get to the point where I realized I needed to process emotionally until I went through the two labor doula training. It was a whole weekend and it just made me realize that there was so much emotionally that I hadn't processed. Um, And so after that training, I think is that that's what triggered it for me to, you know, start seeking the emotional support that I needed. And, you know, in my doula training, I actually met Shelly. It was so coincidental, I guess. A couple weeks later, I took a workshop with Shelly. I spoke with her afterwards, and I did wind up taking a birth medicine class with Shelly. And it was a start for me to really be able to process emotionally and really get to the core of, of what hurt, what was wrong, what needed to be fixed. And it was amazing moving forward from there. I just feel like it's just been steps forward from there since then. Um, again, for me, it was a lot longer after my, my son's birth. At first, there there really wasn't anyone to talk with. Um, the people who were closest to me, my my husband, my birth coach, who was my good friend, my mom and dad were both in the room um, when my son was born. They all absolutely experienced trauma from that birth. And so those were the people I would have turned to, and they were unable to, to be there. They were all experiencing their own trauma, and most of them were really, really angry about the way the birth went. So I didn't want to bring it up because... <laughs> It made people angry. And at that point, I was still 
you know, at that place where I was just taking care of baby and going, well, he's healthy. Everything's okay. And so I, I didn't want to bring it up and upset people. And um, it was really when I was preparing for the birth of my uh, my second child, my daughter, um, we knew my husband was going to be deployed and not there for the birth. So I, I wanted to hire a doula. I wanted someone who was there for me, um, kind of being that, that stand-in dad for me. And um, when I met with Kristen, who was my birth doula, that was really when I said, I'm going to take this opportunity to talk about what happened last time because I don't want it to happen again. And it was through interviewing her and our prenatal appointments that I was really able to have someone who could listen and who understood births and had seen birth trauma and could help me prepare for my next birth by dealing with some of that that anxiety and that fear that um, was absolutely coming in from the memory of that first birth. Absolutely. As a postpartum doula, when I meet with families, even during the interview phase, I ask them about their birth experience. And a lot of women are hesitant to talk about it because they've been told to stuff those feelings down. You have a healthy baby, that's all that matters. And so over time, I encourage them to talk about their story. I encourage them to let the emotions out and process. And it frustrates me that our society tells people to stuff their emotions down. As a doula and as a person, I'm one of the first people when I, I know people have suffered trauma, go over there and hug them and allow them to grieve. I think that's really important. I addressed this issue actually on my Facebook page just this past week, and I know some of you may have seen it, where I had read somewhere in our community, and I won't mention it, they were looking for only positive birth stories for people to share. And that really annoyed me. I mean, it's wonderful to have the positive birth stories because we need to know that a positive birth experience can happen. However, what about all these women who have suffered the trauma of difficult birth experiences. I mean, I know my per myself personally, 32 years ago, I hemorrhaged as a result of a doctor's uh, mistake. And I was angry. And with my second birth, that didn't go the way I wanted it to either. And she's 23. And I desperately wanted to have a third child so I could birth my way. It never happened. So I still walk around with a chip on my shoulder that it never happened. But one of the ways that I heal is by helping other mothers heal. And I've taken some of Shelley's workshops, and they're phenomenal. But to really learn how to listen, it's a real task. And I, I myself need more training, because my own trauma sometimes comes out when I'm working with other moms. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting you share that, because now that I'm in birth work, I ask my mom about her birth stories. And I just think about my grandma who had seven children back when they were doing the twilight sleep. And I just think, like Shelly was saying, we don't have elders to listen to because they're traumatized. They have birth trauma. So um, we just really, as a culture, need to listen more. I can't imagine what it, what it must have felt like for my mother to be knocked out when she gave birth to all five of her children and not even see them till the next day. Yeah. And and then raise them. Yeah. And here's a little tip about how to listen from Pam England Thank and you. Virginia Bobro, again, my, my mentors and greatest teachers in life. So in Birthing from Within, we're, we learn to listen with our five ears. Actually, we've turned it into six here in San Diego. That's because we're have, extra special. Uh, yes. <laughs> we are special here in Birthing from Within San Diego. So first we have the ear in our mind. That's the first ear in our mind, which listens to the details such as the, you know, the, the linear details. 
Then we have the two ears on the side of our head, which can take in, you know, the words, the content, again, more of the details. The mind is processing in a linear way. Then we have the ear in our heart that listens and hears the feeling behind the words. Then we have the ear in our belly. And that ear is kind of like that wise woman ear that can hear that grandmother, that great grandmother beneath those words of suffering. They can hear the past, can hear the future, can really have a bigger picture of what's really happening in this woman's life when she's talking, where she's coming from. So that's that gut ear. So, and then we have what uh, we call here in San Diego, the, the bone ear, like this ear in our bones that we can listen and we can hear the woman's, her own medicine that she has inside of her when she's speaking. And then asks the right questions to direct her to that. So listening with the six ears is a good skill to develop. Shelly, how should moms react to loved ones, friends, or strangers who may see hurtful things even unknowingly, which may be a trigger? Um, well, the first thing is to remember that the positive intention of the person who said the words. Remember that most people aren't comfortable with their own pain. And so they can't sit with other people's pain. They just ask, you know, well, how was the birth? And they can see it in your face and in your voice. They can hear that, oh, it's this isn't going to be good. <laughs> I shouldn't have asked or, or whatever they're thinking, right? And then they start to get uncomfortable. And so if we can remember that what they're saying is they're trying to help or they don't know how to respond. So they just say whatever they can. But what we can do instead, instead of saying, well, at least you have a healthy baby. And the problem with that is that unknowingly it negates the emotional journey. And the emotional journey is really is equally as important as the physical journey so that, yes, the baby is alive. But if the mother is emo emotionally devoid, then it's going to cause long term problems for that family and even in our culture, you know. So there's a really good quote. Again, um, I'm referencing I'm birthing from within Pam England uh, says, when a storyteller comes to sort out their story, she's in a problem focused mindset, of course. If she could hear her story in a new way and find new meaning and build her own solutions, she wouldn't need to come talk to somebody with six ears. And so when the storyteller and the story listener are in problem-focused mindsets, no healing or change can come of the story session, only commiseration about the problems. So when a woman starts to say, oh, gosh, you know, and then, and then that doctor was just speaking to me so rudely, and so I just felt completely demoralized. She's looking at that problem. And in, if, you know, we respond and say, yeah, God, you know, they're just such jerks. The doctors are, you know, whatever we, we want to, we want, we're trying to kind of like validate her, but we're really kind of joining in, in a non-solution type of a mindset. So if we can, instead, if we listen to a woman and she starts talking about her birth and we can sense, oh, this is kind of going somewhere that I'm not really comfortable with. The best thing that she can do is just listen with compassionate eyes. Look her in the eyes and look at her with compassion and love and just listen. And then if you want to do more than just listen, then all you have to say is, wow. And then if you really want to do more than that, just say, just validate her and say, you went through a lot. That's a lot. And if you want to go farther than that, if you can handle it, then Try to ask a solution-focused question. When she's talking about that doctor who was verbally abusive, wow, what did you do? How did you get through that moment? What did you do to, to survive that? That is really intense. 
And then that gets her thinking, well, what did I do? I mean, I survived and it was hard, but what did I do? And then she thinks, well, I closed my eyes and I just breathed and I sent love to my baby. And she figures out like, oh my God, I did something. And what she did is absolutely heroic. Um, so that, those are just a couple things that we can do when we notice a woman is sharing her story and we start to go, Oh, this is kind of intense. Panelists, what helped you cope, um, and begin to heal from your births? I feel like my coping was really getting out there and trying to find the support that I really felt like I needed. So I reached out to, you know, the ICANN. I reached out to Shelly after I'd met Shelly to really start working on that emotional aspect and really beginning to heal. It was really just a lot of focusing on, you know, myself and this isn't how I want to be feeling. This isn't the kind of mom that I want to be. This is not what it should be like. And just trying to kind of go within myself and see what I could do to make it better. So, you know, I'm in therapy now, talking to a therapist and you know, especially with num- number two on the way, maybe number two on the way. It's been a lot of going back and focusing on the birth experience again and kind of moving forward saying, okay, now with the second baby, what are we going to do to to cope and to heal and be ready for the second baby? And um, I feel like a lot of that comes from just talking about my last birth experience and knowing that I have supportive women in my community that are going to listen. And instead of giving those, you know, at least kind of solutions, they're going to say, wow, I'm sorry that happened to you, but thank you for sharing your story because that's what you want to hear. That is exactly what you want to hear to to cope and to start healing. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, for me, you know, I'm a big talker. I like to talk and I like to be heard. And um, that's what really helped me to cope was, um, you know, so much of my birth was not what I wanted and, and out of my control. And I didn't get what I wanted. And I, you know, I hemorrhaged. I wasn't able to nurse after only a few weeks. And I can remember you know, crying on the phone to my mom and, and, you know, at six weeks postpartum and, you know, my husband and my mom said, well, we can give him formula. He's healthy. It's going to be fine. And I said, you're, that's not the point. It's not what I want. It doesn't matter that he's healthy in this moment. To me, all that matters is I'm not getting what I want. I want a nurse. I'm not getting what I want. So when I talked about my birth story, when I started to heal from it, just getting to speak my piece was a big part of taking back my power for me, was saying, I'm going to tell my birth story. I'm going to tell it the way I believe that it happened, the way that it feels that it happened to me. I'm going to say what went wrong, and I'm going to say what I can do differently next time, because that helped me to to feel in control again and to reframe the telling of that story in my mind. Because like Shelly was saying, you know, the trauma is the story you tell yourself. And you know, you have plenty of time to play it over and over and over again in your mind, um, especially when you're up all night with that new baby. And you can really get it cemented in there in a really nasty, negative way. So being able to tell the whole story and look at it and say, yeah, this is what went wrong and that sucks, but we can do things differently this time and that's okay. And it has changed me, but it doesn't have to define how I move forward. And so being able to speak my piece about it and say, I didn't get to control it, but I get to have my say about it. I get to have my feelings about it, and I get to be heard about it was what really helped me to move forward. Oh, I'm blown away. My comment is I just want to scoop both of you up in my arms and hold you and let you just cry on my shoulder and tell me your story and hold the space for you. I do. Your stories bring out the nurturer in me. And thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. Can I read a quote? (laughs) 
Please. Another one by Pam England. <laughs> and this is actually from her book, The um, Labyrinth of Birth. Self-love and forgiveness are keys to healing. At the time the unwished-for event happened, you were utterly immersed in it. You may have been exhausted, afraid, and overwhelmed while having to make decisions. You wanted to do the right thing, the best thing, or perhaps you just wanted to end the intense experience. Consider this, that on the day you gave birth, at the moment this unwished-for event happened, you did the best you could based on everything you knew in that moment. Based on everything life had taught you up to that moment, you did the best you could, and the only thing you could do at the time based on who you were in that moment. The profound mystery of birth, including how your birth unfolded as it did, can never be completely understood with the mind. Your mind can come up with theories, but it can never fully explain why anything happens. Wow. Profound. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Shelley and our lovely panelists for speaking with us today about healing from birth trauma. And for our Newbies Club members, our conversation will continue after the end of the show, as Shelley will share some of her favorite ideas for birth story art. For more information about the Newbies Club, please visit our website at newmommymedia.com. All right, so we have a new segment here on Newbies, and this was actually inspired by something that we read on Facebook. And uh, it's a great story I'm going to share with you guys in a second. We're calling this segment Helping Hands because so many times we as new moms, we take our babies out in public and, you know, we're just so nervous about everything that could happen that people are going to give us those, you know, crazy dagger eyes the moment our baby cries or does something that isn't, you know, appropriate. And um, we've been noticing that there have been more positive stories coming out, though, of people that are overlooking that or, or doing something to really help new moms in this transitional period. And so this story we found on Facebook and Heather posted it. And um, this is something involving Southwest Airlines. This is a really good experience she had. So this is what she says. Dear Southwest, I'm hoping you can share this post so that I can be sure that it finds its way to a very special Southwest flight attendant. All I know about her is that her name is Anise. My husband and nine-month-old son were flying from Fort Lauderdale back home to New York, and this was my son's first trip, so we weren't sure how things would go. Anise went above and beyond to make sure that the trip went smoothly as possible. I have never had a flight attendant as kind and as helpful as she was. My son adored her and kept looking to her as she passed by. At one point, she saw that he was looking for her and getting antsy, so she came and picked him up and walked him up and down the aisle with him while my husband and I ate our lunch. Although this may not be a story that stands out from the rest, I want to thank her and let her know how appreciated she is. We so often hear about the negative things going on, so I wanted to share this story of someone who made my trip a little brighter. Please help this get to her. So I'm not sure if Anise is listening, but um, Heather, we really do appreciate you posting this. And there are some, you know, really good stories out there. So if you have been part of an experience where someone really, you know, lend a helping hand to you when you were out with your baby, we would love to hear about that. We, we need to hear more stories like this, right? So if you want to submit for that, you can go to our website. And there's a great banner on the side of our website. And that's the way you can submit 
uh, your voicemail directly through the computer. Just use the mic on your computer. So click that little gray button and it'll walk you through a couple quick steps on, on how you can do that. And then we'll share those stories on a future episode. So Heather, again, thanks for posting this and thanks for giving us permission to use it. And um, yeah, we hope to hear more stories like this in the future. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Newbies. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals, for expecting parents, parent savers for moms and dads with infants and toddlers, the boob group for moms who breastfeed, and twin talks for parents of multiples. Thanks for listening to Newbies, your go-to source for new moms and new babies. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, Please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. How would you like to have your own show on the New Mommy Media Network? We're expanding our lineup and looking for great content. If you're a business or organization interested in learning more about our co-branded podcasts, visit our website at newmommymedia.com. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.